Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. Shortly after I started at Next Step, about five years back, the Charlottesville violence and tragedy happened. And we were barraged with calls from our, our members and our partners. What should we do? What should we say? You know, our employees are wanting to share their thoughts and feelings, and there are clearly different perspectives held on this event. Employees want to understand what our CEO is thinking or what he or she is going to be doing. And there was concern and fear. Re, was this a lawsuit waiting to happen if we have these conversations? There was clear, clear resistance to such a transparent and vulnerable conversation happening. And, and if it did happen, it could potentially then alienate or pit you know, one group against another. Well, Flash forward, <laughs> many other events and situations have unfolded. COVID, George Floyd, the U.S. presidential election, Asian racism, bias, and, and crime, January 6th. Even in just this past two weeks, um, Supreme Court legal reversals, plural, a number of mass shootings, <laughs> And in fact, one in my very own neighborhood. Sadly, each week, and quite honestly, now it feels like each day brings something new. So given this, our times have been extremely difficult for all of us as a nation. And most importantly, it's become increasingly polarizing. And at Next Step, we know how painful and difficult conversations on these topics can be. Members, have been recently asking us again, okay, how do I talk about all of this with my team? How do I make sure they have what they need when these issues are so polarizing? How do I support all of my employees? What is our company and CEO going to do? What is our stance? What are our next steps? Now is the time to step up as leaders to provide a culture for open doors, for those safe, spaces for all to share their perspectives and feelings. There is no right or wrong in such situations, but what needs to be there is open-hearted listening and commitment to always educating ourselves to what others hold fast to, even if it's different from what we believe. And to reinforce as leaders what our brands and organizations stand for and how we should ladder up to and align with the mission and values of our company. And not just when the times are tough, but it should be, and you're going to hear today, it should be something that exists day in and day out in all of our cultures and in all of our leadership styles. I'm Sarah Alter, your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and proudly the CEO and president of Next Up. And today I am humbled by and joined by two absolutely incredible Next Up leaders. 
we have Karen Jones, our very own VP, Learning and Partner Solutions at Next Step. And then she's just been an incredible thought leader and partner with us, Brandy Green, Managing Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Work and Company. So welcome to both of you. Thank you, Sarah. Hello, thank you. I know, and welcome back, Karen, because you. you've been on our show now. I think I think this is your third time, right? It oh, is, wow. it's my third yeah. time. <laughs> Triple crown. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So we have a lot to share. So I'm going to like hand this floor over to these two incredible leaders. Um, but as I always do, um, Karen, share with us personally and professionally, what brings you to this great conversation today? Wow, Sarah, thank you so much. And I'm so proud to be uh, back here for the third time to continue uh, these great dialogues to help our listening, our listening audience. Um, you know, I have a lot of experience with this, Sarah. Um, I know for many people who are joining us today, um, this all seems like um, a new phenomenon in their life. But as you were uh, speaking the opening, Sarah, my mind reflected back way back to 1992, and I'll date myself a bit, but um, in <laughs> April of 1992, I remember my organization's reaction to the verdict when it came to Rodney King. I don't know if um, all of our listeners know about that, but it, there was um, an unarmed black man and it was one of the first times ever where his beating by police was videotaped. And the verdict came in, I was at my company and I remember my leadership's reaction, which was, hey, 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 those officers were acquitted. I don't wanna hear anything else about the topic. And so with that, again, my mind reflected back to how I felt. I felt um, completely dejected with because I had no ability to even share the great weight that was on my heart that day. So I feel like um, now that there's so much opportunity, I'm so glad to be here with Brandy to talk about how we avoid that because it is unavoidable at this time. So, so happy to talk about, to have this great discussion, Sarah. I know, me too. And and Brandy, and, I, and I've already encouraged her that she needs to share this story because I want our audience to appreciate the hoops of fire that this woman has jumped through today. <laughs> Before we even got started. Okay, so Brandy, you have to share that story and then absolutely want to hear why you're here. <laughs> sure. So just quickly in terms of uh, this morning, uh, I went, I came downstairs for my coffee and to prep for the show. And at about six o'clock, I hear a, bang, a big, huge bang. And I come to find out that a driver fell asleep. Um, as he was driving, it hit my mom's car and her car hit my car and my car hit a neighbor's car and then jumped the curb and hit my neighbor's iron front gate. And this was all before six o'clock. So as I was saying, I've had a morning of being with a cops and <laughs> being oh on the phone God. with insurance companies. And so I am, uh, and also a house full of uh, children as we will be celebrating, we doing a memorial tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It is, I think it's apropos given the topic today on how we, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other, right? Like that right. these things are going to happen and that we have to figure out how to roll, uh, ro like thoughtfully roll with some of these punches. So I'm, I'm really uh, excited to be here to talk more about that. Oh my God. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Clearly in your case, calm heads and hearts prevail. <laughs> no. And you've just, you know, as I've already shared, you know, we're so grateful, you know, for the partnership that we, you know, have with you, you know, kudos to Denit, you know, for bringing you, <laughs> you know, into our world. And, you know, I think everybody's going to hear today just 
what an incredible, incredible, um, you know, thought leader you are in terms of guiding us all, you know, through this situation. So, okay, let's, let's just put it out there. Okay. We we are a polarized (laughs) nation, right? And, and we, you know, this is our reality, you know, um, just because of the, the democracy that exists, right? You know, it allows us to have our different perspectives, right? But we're, we're at this phase now where, you know, and I grew up in this, in this family, I was thinking about it, where like, you know, at the dinner table, oh, you didn't talk religion or politics, or politics. Or, right, or anything like that. You didn't raise your voice. You know, we were taught when you go to work, you check your full self at the door, you have a job to do. Um, people have different expectations now. Yeah, definitely. And, and I know, Brandy, you you have a great perspective yeah. on this and what got us here, <laughs> what got us here and how we as leaders all now need to yeah. embrace this. Yeah, it's um, so I yes, I agree that we are at one of our more polarizing um, times, uh, in, in society. Um, but what I would suggest then like how I've been maintaining my hopefulness and my optimism, uh, during this polarized time is that when we think about why we're polarized, it help it can, it can be a source of comfort, which is part of the reason why we are polarized is because we aren't actually that practiced at, showing up authentically and sharing aspects of ourselves that are like slightly more messy right so exactly what you were describing before when we're checking our we were we're checking our full souls at the door um so what we have are shallow relationships and um very peripheral connections right we're not there's no there's no strength and there's no depth and the reason why we're polarized is because we're getting to know each other for the very first time (laughs) like we're like actively (laughs) like we're actively coming to know that like some of us are having very different experiences. And as a result of those experiences, we see, you know, we may see the world one way. Um, And it's not to say that anyone has a monopoly on how they see the world. What it is, is an opportunity to recognize that none of us is seeing the world 100% accurately. And that by sharing how um, we see the world and doing like, actually working through a bit of that tension, where it's like, have, well, here's my experience. And have you, are you considering my experience? It's allowing more of us to see the world, I think, much more fully. And I think part of seeing the world fully is recognizing that there is a little bit of messiness. And now we're going to have to do that hard work of learning how to treat each other, like learning how to embrace the fact that we are different and finding ways to um, embrace the differences, work through those differences so that we can get to, a, a you know, a, a, a place of more understanding on the other side. So I'm like really hopeful. I mean, I know, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know right now yeah. it, it doesn't feel great, but I think from where we came, I think we've made, uh, I think it's like great progress. Yeah. And, and I know too, in, in, in our prep conversation, you, you'd said most people probably feel like we're taking steps backwards, backwards and exactly. not, and not forwards, not forwards, but it's that, <laughs> it's that, it's that enlightenment that it's like we're finally what was probably invisible to us or wasn't even on our radar, quite frankly, in many cases, right? It is now we're more sensitive to it. We're more open to it. And, and that's, that creates that like 
awkwardness and that stress and that fear and that concern, because we're grappling with these understandings and this information and all these different perspectives that we probably just didn't pay attention to before, but now it's like, nope, you need to, (laughs) to be a better person, to be a better leader. Um, Karen, what, what about you? Your thoughts uh, you know, on this too? Yeah, I think I, I was in our preparation time. I was uh, there was a like a, a light bulb over my head when Brandy said that of um, of this. It was a reframe for me about the the positive aspects of us uh, getting to know each other on a deeper level societally. Even though sometimes we uh, we disagree vehemently, but the conversation mm-hmm. uh, must continue um, because in, in one of uh, our experiences here, or most of our experiences that I have when we I teach our DEI workshops, I talk about this notion of. You know, particularly for those of us who are in America, regardless of uh, what ship we sailed over here in, we're all in the same boat now, you know, with our indigenous brothers and sisters too. So, you know, our our forward momentum is going to be contingent upon this. And and, and I like what you said, Sarah, the messiness, it's just a part of us being able to create uh, inevitable understanding. So, and then too, I know, uh, in addition to what Brandy said, this notion, the phenomena that is social media, we have so much more information about what each other, what we're all thinking, you know, right. we, we can get into totally. Yeah, which is, uh, is interesting. And I know if we can just figure out the ways to manage and continue to listen and to stay in the game of listening, uh, then we can certainly find more common ground. And it's so funny. I was just sitting here thinking that two of my dearest friends, and if I have any friends listening, they're going to be like, oh, is she talking about me? Not going to say who, you know, <laughs> no, but two of my dearest friends, when I first met them, like we were so different. We had such different perspectives, such different lives. It was almost like this visceral reaction. And I probably have had the strongest relationships yes. with them. Right. Because we got past that. Yes. Now, yeah. you know, wasn't easy. And again, I'm not saying who, so don't even try and guess. <laughs> friends who are but that was like, right. Like that was the foundation. And, and I think now it's, it's like, okay, well, we're not just talking about the dinner table. We're not just talking about at home or at a social event. We're talking about work. And this is, this, this has to start happening at work. And, and I know that that's what you two are going to over this next, you know, hour or so, we're going to guide everybody through, okay, well, what do you do? And guess what? There's no one silver bullet. You got to based right on your own organization's culture and environment and structure. You may have to take slightly, you know, different approaches, but it ends up being in, in, and we've heard so many people say it, but you have to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because this, this approach will make you feel uncomfortable, but you'll be a better person and a better leader, you know, on the other side, Karen, you know, you always talk about speaking from the center. Yes. Let's, let's go there, you know, cause I think that's also an element. It's foundational to just this whole process and approach share with everybody what you mean by that. Sure, Sarah. And actually, I'd like to uh, give credit to where where credit is due with the speaking from center technique at the Linkage Institute. Many years ago, when I was in leadership development, I learned this technique, and it served me uh, greatly over the court over the years. And um, and for our listeners, you know, it's, it's it answers the question what the thoughts that I'm going to share about what can I do as an individual to stay in the game of listening, even not in, to the end of us all agreeing with each other, but that we all share understanding. 
So um, I, the speak from center technique is just this. Uh, oftentimes when we're listening to someone and we find ourselves being triggered and before we ever speak, our thoughts usually go to one of two places. One, we start to think as we're listening to the person, we stray our thoughts straight to, oh my God, I'm so glad that I'm so much smarter than that person. I'm so much more evolved than that person. I'm just a better person. I'm, I'm ethically better or morally better than that person. And we're not listening. Our thoughts are squarely in that place. And troubles typically don't start until we speak what we're thinking. But there's another space, Sarah and Brandy, that's equally as unproductive. However, people often wrap this in more piety. And that is this other place of... Clutch the pearls. I feel horrible. I feel like such a bad person. I had that same, you know, prejudice or I feel terrible. And I can tell you, um, Sarah, many times, even when as we support our partners, that is equally unproductive discussion to hear someone talk about how guilty they feel about something. But if we can just dare to balance ourselves out just for a moment, just to pause and to what we say, speak from center to be able to force ourselves to stay in the game of listening. And then when we um, are ready to respond, and note I say, Sarah, not react to what we said, but to respond to what's said, we can use a couple of techniques. One is you can uh, become curious about what the person is saying. Right. And, they, and you can right. say, so, okay, so you feel that way, Brandy. Can you say more about that? Like, where did you get that information? And, where, and how did you evolve yeah. that opinion about that? Or certainly when we're processing, we can just say that we, and the person is saying, we can force ourselves to listen and then just say, and you, if you were to say to me, Karen, so how do you feel about that? I say, you know what, Sarah, can you please come back to me? Because I'm still processing what you're saying. So please continue. However, I'm processing. And, and that technique, I can tell you, Sarah, it has served me greatly. Um, one very quick example to share with our listeners. Um, I remember years ago when I was a, a very new manager and um, I was working for a hotel chain that we all, re all recognize. So I won't share the name, Sarah. But um, I was a manager there and it was an evening shift and one of the front office clerks who reported to me said that a person at the front desk wanted to um, see the manager. So yeah. I walked out and the person at the front desk and Sarah, Sarah, I may have shared this story with you. The person said, I don't want to talk to her. I, and he said the entire N word. I'd like to speak to a white manager. And so with that, what do you do? How do you react or do you respond? Even though I didn't know this technique from my own, the way I was trained by my own mom and dad, I knew, and also the, my, for sake of my job, I knew that I couldn't react, I must respond. So I did help the person. Um, and do you not know that the next day the person came back and I was asked to come back out and of course I was dejected. I said, oh, this man is just gonna let me have it again. But um, something amazing happened. He apologized for the comment and said that he'd never met a person like me, that he was from the, um, the west northwest part of Georgia. He was there for a conference. And um, he was a farm, a person who had lived on a farm. And most of the people that he's in his town, they called that word, that terrible N-word that we all know. And he said that, um, you know, he was so sorry. And I said to him, what I say to our listeners, I said, I hope you never forget that you met me and that you go back to your town and tell yeah. everybody that you know that you met a person like me. Because with that, you know, it's and amazing. I said, and, and that's a super heightened example from my own lived experience there. But if we can dare to repress our reactions for just a bit and respond to what's happening around us, certainly learning can happen and shared understanding can happen. So speak from the center, listen from the center too, right? So, so Brandy, how, how do you then as a leader that, you know, create that safe space, right? Those open doors, 
you know, and, and, and a lot I know of what we've heard is it's like, okay, you have to then be comfortable sharing what you're thinking and feeling as well. So share with us, you know, your perspective on that, because it's, it's, that, that's where I think a lot of the discomfort sits is at that leadership level, stepping out from that traditional role of the hierarchy, right? Yeah. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take this in two steps. So the first, the, the first thing I would say is that like leader or not leader, I think there are three things that we can focus on um, when we're awesome. trying, when we're having, um, when we're going to be in conversation with people who may not think the same way that we do. And that's how I really, that's how I frame these things. Like, like no matter what the, no matter what the topic is, yeah. um, if we're in community with people who do not think like us, there will be times where we will have to navigate these differences and we'll have to be thoughtful and strategic about how we navigate these differences so that we can bring them to a successful end. Right. So yeah. this, the, what I, what I suggest is like, a, like focusing on three aspects. First is the intrapersonal, which is what are like what's going on inside me that's making me react to what to to this situation? And when I what I'm curious, what I want to do with that is be curious about what are the sort of ingrained cultural traditions? What are the cultural norms? What are the mindsets that I have been um, that have been like I've gained through acculturation, right? So, and lots of that acculturation has happened before I I was even able to part, like knowingly participate in it. Right. What What are What are those things, um, and how are they making uh, me think about this situation that is happening right now? So, the first thing to do is thinking about what, how I'm reacting, and what is driving those reactions, and seeing if we can tie that back to that. And then the second piece is um, the interpersonal piece. So, what how am I reacting? And those cultural things, those cultural interpersonal things that are going on inside of me, how is that driving how I'm experiencing this interpersonal thing with this person, right? So how, like, what, what are my, what internal biases am I projecting onto this person instead of listening to actually what they're saying? Like, how am I interpreting through my own lens what this person is saying and what can I do to sort of disrupt that so that I'm actually listening to the words that the person is, um, that the person is giving to me and understand, like center the understanding more than anything else. I think like a great exercise is like, if you had, like you're an anthropologist and the, the role is to articulate back to the person, why the person feels the way they feel. And you have been successful. You don't have it, your success is not have to agree. On your agreement exactly. Right. Your success is not right. contingent on your agreement. Your success is contingent on your ability to listen and empathize and perspective shift into that person, so that you can describe why why that person feels the way they feel. If at any point between that interpersonal and interpersonal inquiry, you find yourself in judgment, you know that you need to snap out of it. Because your yeah. that is not your yeah. job. Your yeah. job is not to yeah. judge what that person is doing. Your job is to understand. And the moment that you place any of your um, your feelings, your you have shifted from curiosity to judgment. And I think that's like a really good framing for anyone that's having to have conversations with people who are different from them. Because the difference is really valuable, right? Like really understanding the skill of being able to understand someone else, regardless of whether you agree with them or not, is a very valuable skill that can be utilized in many different ways. So that's mm -hmm. those are the, so that's mm -hmm. the first thing. And then the second piece I would say is as leaders, I think we have to be honest about what scares us about these conversations. And then until we can really be honest about that, we won't be able to put in the interventions that make us feel comfortable. So we have to, you know, again, from, from the leaders perspective, now shift 
and do that same interpersonal work. What about this feels risky to me? And if like in my, if I'm in good relationship with myself and I feel vulnerable enough with myself to tell the truth about what's making me feel uncomfortable, then I'll be able to solution better. So am I uncomfortable because one, I don't feel like equipped as an expert to navigate this and I'm afraid of making mistakes. If that's the case, you've articulated that and you know exactly what you need to do. You need to get into community with people who are thinking about this, um, who have had more background, who can point you to some resources, who can give you yeah. some, you know, expert help. So that's one. Two, like, am I generally someone who like struggles with ambiguity? Am I someone who like really needs to needs to know the answer? And if that is the case, how can we prep ourselves to recognize that this messy work, a lot of times there is no answer. And like, how do we like build a muscle around like disrupting that reflexive need to be, to, to give answers to people instead of being someone that brings people together to find answers collaboratively. So I think that shift, right? The shift from your job being the solution, um, the, the provider of the solution to the facilitator of the solution, I think can also be super, super um, helpful for leaders at this time. Because it, it, it never hurts mm-hmm. to listen. Right right? Like there's, there's risk if you don't listen, (laughs) like if you don't create that opportunity to listen, there's risk. Right. And, and it's, you know, and it's, it's so much, I guess it's not easier or cleaner, but it's in, in a personal situation, you know, there's more opportunity to be able to really create that open door, you know, and, and to facilitate that vulnerable, that transparent conversation. But in that business setting, you know, based on the norms we've all grown up with, you know, and we most of us have operated our company with, that's where you feel that greater fear, that risk, you know, that concern. But what I'm hearing you both say is it starts with listening. Absolutely. And so you don't have to go to a listening session with the answers the answer, right. or the solutions. And right. you absolutely don't go saying this is right. This is, and this, this is wrong. Right. right? Exactly. You know? And so it, it, that's kind of that first step. It's, it's, it's creating the opportunity that you as a leader can listen and people can share their, their thoughts and their feelings without judgment. And to your point, Brandy, easier said than done. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> you got to check, you know, your own emotion. And, and, you know, even just in this last couple of weeks and and over the past couple of years, you know, where there's passion, there's emotion. And so you have to, you have to expect that it will happen, but you've got to allow your employees to bring that with them. Yeah. Right. And know that the emotion, Sarah, to your point, the emotion is human. It is our humanity. And so uh, just right. make space for it. And, um, and uh, like you did, Sarah, for us, I, I say that, that in your great leadership to make space uh, for us to just be who we are and to process through together. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, Karen, thank you for, you know, all your <laughs> partnership and guidance. Some, you know, we, we, we couldn't do it without you and, and yeah, no, we've, we've created these you know, regular town hall meetings. It's a, it's a normal cadence, but on top of that, you know, we've provided a number of incremental opportunities for everybody to regroup as a team, larger scale and then smaller scale, because it, some, some individuals are super comfortable saying what they think and feel in a large setting. Some aren't, and and we're going to, you know, we're going to dive into that in just a second. Um, We are already 
at a commercial break. <laughs> We're just going to take a quick short one. So don't leave us. We'll be back. And Karen and Brandy are really going to lay out a, a framework or an approach that people can take and adapt, you know, in their organization. I want to thank everybody who's been listening to us this morning so far, our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can always check us out at nextupisnow.org for more information on Next Up and all of our podcasts. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities, get best-in-class leadership development opportunities, and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. 
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And today we are providing you with a framework and a guidance to an approach for supporting employees and fostering candid conversations on what could be difficult or polarizing topics and traumatic events that continue to unfold around us. I am joined by two incredible thought leaders and partners, Brandy Green, Managing Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Work and Company, and Karen Jones, our very own VP of Learning and Partner Solutions for Next Up. Um, So Brandy and Karen, let's dive into, okay, what are these guardrails, this, this framework, this approach? And again, appreciating that, you know, you're going to have to adapt it depending on your own culture and environment and structure within your organization. But here's, here's the foundational elements you need to be, you need to be building into your company on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. This is not just a fire drill. You know, this needs to be inherent ongoing. Um, You know, already we talked about, you know, that, Hey, look, you know, having these potentially awkward polarizing conversations, it's an essential part for a culture of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. So check one, you need to be doing <laughs> this, but, but how do we go about doing it? So Brandy, let's start there. So in any given organization, where do you start? Like if you're not doing them yet, where do you start? So I think the first thing is, um, grounding the rationale for the session in um in a couple in 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 a couple of things that you should be tying to your overall DEI strategy anyway which is one you know creating a place where people feel like feel confident that they can be authentically themselves and um that's more than just like being able to you know wear your hair a certain way that's more than wearing just your clothes um what it really is is like feeling comfortable sharing your perspective and speaking up both, you know, when you agree, but more importantly, when you have, you know, a bit of differing opinion. So um, just, just one, recognize that there is actually a rationale. You're building stronger relationships. You're cultivating the ability to um, engage across difference better. And all of these things um, make you, you know, better at your job. So that's number one. Um, two is just recognizing that, um, we don't have all the answers and there will never be a one size all solution, right? right? So right. <laughs> if we, I think mm-hmm. as a pra- I think as a practitioner, it's like we should we we often have to pause here because what ends up happening is um we're dealing with leaders who don't want to make mistakes. And that the sort of the fear of making mistakes can really actually paralyze leaders and sometimes in worst case scenario, um make them retreat. And what we're suggesting is that this is an opportunity for us to lean in and learn more about each other and learn more about the differences uh, that matter. Um, The other things are um, using your internal experts and not thinking that you have to have all the answers. Um, uh, Also making sure that um, you're involving lots of different people. So, Sometimes a great approach is actually decentralizing um, the messaging or decentralizing um, who is going to um, facilitate 
the safe space sessions in your organization. So sometimes it will be, you know, executive sponsors who already have relationships with um, the communities that they um, serve. Sometimes it will be your talent engagement people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it will be your ERG leaders and all of yeah. that, all of them have different relationships with different populations in your organizations and all of them can be utilized to have um, those discussions and make those discussions feel safer within their spheres of influence. I'm, I've been talking a lot, Karen. Do you have any? <laughs> well, uh... I do, Brandy, and um, and I was enjoying so much what you were saying, so I'll just build on it in a few places because, um, to your point, Brandy, this whole notion of, um, for and I'll say it more literally, from my own lived experience, of the, that the C-level team has to have all of the answers. And typically, when, when there's a moment of crisis, organizations do one of two things, and I see both of your body language because we're on Zoom, right, right. Um, that people yeah. they say nothing, they become paralyzed, to Brandy's point, and they say absolutely nothing. And I can... And let me dispel this for all of our listeners who are senior executives and organizations. People are talking about it anyway. Even if you say, if your silence becomes deafening, when you don't say anything, something that is impacting your um, employees or associates for your organization, or two, they just go to their Marcoms team and they expect them to have all the answers. So to to Brandy's point, um, utilize the internal stakeholders that you have that can support and help you with that. And then just to drill down a bit um, um, from what Brandy was saying, for individual teams, and just like what you did with us, Sarah, we had the broader uh, discussions, our full team, and then um, you encouraged us, all of us who lead teams to have smaller discussions. And I even had individual discussions with people that report to me here at Next Step um, to try to make sure that everybody feels whole. And also we work together at, um, as a senior team to find out what uh, mental health solutions, et cetera, that we could propose for our team to ensure that everyone can move forward in a healthy way. And the only, the, it, the one thing, the other one thing that I just want to, uh, before I forget, is part of having a, um, a, a, an approach that can be tailored to different parts of the organization will yeah. benefit you because in global organizations, the cultural context across different, like international global context, the global context is different. And so what what your offices, like what your offices in, in Europe might find comfortable in terms of safe space may feel different to your, to more of, to, to other different offices, um, to places in other offices, to, locations where other offices right. are. So really it's like, how can you work with your local, um, with your, w- with the people on the ground to really understand how the, like how the experience is actually being felt on the ground and what people want. So also it's like not making decisions in community with the people that you want to serve, not just going out and deciding for them. The, the, the two key things though, and I, and I, and I want to like call them out is, you know, one, to, to your point, it's not everyone's going to feel comfortable speaking up or sharing their mind or their thoughts or their emotions, like in a larger setting. So decentralize if needed. And, and you reinforced it too, Karen. It could be smaller team or department meetings or one-on-one, yeah. you know, meetings. It, it doesn't always have to be a massive, you know, town hall, although some find safety, you know, in that scale of an audience. And so you, you want to make sure that you have different channels and different opportunities. But the second key thing, and you both echoed it, it's like, okay, you don't have to have all the answers. So you don't have to be the one that facilitates it. And if there's somebody that's better skilled 
like your head of HR or your head of DEIB, or I loved the ERG leaders, um, you know, leverage that part of your community, you know, to, to, to make it happen because it, you know, and I humbly realized it, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I didn't have the answers. I'd never been through this type of a situation before. And so for me, like the first and foremost thing we had to do was reach out to our team, to our community and figure out, you know, what they were thinking and feeling and, and what did they need and want, you know, in the situation, you need to inform yourself, but that's, what's so key. And you're right. It doesn't come easily because as the leader, you're constantly feeling judged, like, okay, I got to have this figured out. Well, hey, we'd all never been through COVID before, you know, and we clearly, you know, we had to work together as a team, you know, to figure that out. So, okay, so how often does this need to happen? Like, does it have to happen every day, every week, every month? Like, give us guidance on what is that cadence need to be does it have to happen every uh we know is there an opportunity for us to do this more routinely is how i might reposition that question i know i know the way i said it it was like does it have to no no but like literally if i'm a leader you know and 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 within like our smaller group you know we could feel it like oh our group wants to chat again you know um but typically what does that look like what I would say, Karen, I'm sorry to jump in, um, no, is, right is around, um, I think when we think about all of um, the, uh, like when we're designing the sessions and we're thinking about what additional objectives we may be thinking about um, in creating these face-to-face sessions, one of the things is um, to really practice. Um, and I think when, we're do, when, mm-hmm. when we do DEI work, and particularly when people are first starting, one of the misconceptions is, that you will be able to read a book or you will be able to get a resource or you will have an aha moment that changes your whole entire mindset and being and ways of thinking and ways of behaving. And suddenly, magically, you will become a different person. And the truth of the matter is that's not how this works, right? How this works is that we change Mm -hmm. through practice. So one of the benefits of having ongoing safe space conversations that are available to your colleagues, you know, regardless of whether there is a community level harm to address or not, is that you're giving people the opportunity to one, demonstrate and practice their authenticity, to um, uh, give them an opportunity to practice listening to other people, especially people who, you know, they may not align with 100%. And three, you know, practice being able to then walk out and find other things that we can connect on and, you know, sort of disrupt that polarization um, by learning to see each other as whole people and not just one aspect of our identity or, you know, giving people grace in that way. And I think to the extent that we can practice makes permanent in that area. Yeah. And, and I know they've shared this publicly, so I feel comfortable sharing it now, but um, Target has done a phenomenal job at this and through the years, like they shared, um, one of their incredible leaders spoke, um, their head of D- DEI and then their head of investor relations, <laughs> both spoke about how they, and this was a couple of years ago, how they were doing ongoing listening sessions, leadership listening sessions. And they clearly reinforced that there was a regular cadence so that people became comfortable using this, you know, in the right way um, to, to really, you know, drive the business forward and, and to drive, you know, to, to strengthen and elevate the culture. 
and you know, and just as much as businesses will typically invest in soliciting customer feedback, the good, the bad, the ugly, the same should be happening from an internal perspective, you know, from an internal customer or you know, or employee or partner perspective. Um, so it's getting past that that hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wanted to share, uh, uh, actually expand on something that Brandy touched on just a bit ago, and that was um, implications on global organizations um, and how they should be aware. And it ties to Sarah what you were asking about about frequency. Um, and I know, uh, you know, for companies that have global presence, you as a leader, particularly um, if you're if if you're um, tethered, if you're in a U.S. based company and you have global presence, do be aware of global events. Um, and study the culture of your direct reports and know how to respond appropriately. And a very, uh, and a, t- a today example, um, we all, most of us heard about uh, the sad murder of the prime minister, the former prime minister of Japan, uh, Shinzo yeah. Abe. And so um, I know I've worked for companies where we were tethered, we were US based, but we had presence in a, in a, in a, com- in a country like Japan. Mm-hmm. Now we have to make sure that we're not ethnocentristic as Americans and say, okay, let's jump on the call with all of our Japanese uh, teammates because that's culturally not the way they would respond to just say, oh, how do you feel? But we need to ensure that we are, um, to Brandy's good point, operating in inclusion, understanding those differences, and however, responding um, appropriately when we have um, the impacts of all of our our teammates around the globe. So I just wanted to add that for any of our partners who um, have global presence. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and I know both of you had said this in another conversation, and I want to make sure we share it today as well is have the playbook, right? Like it was so funny. I know when we were talking about it, I'm thinking, okay, you know, when I was at Discover, you know, we like a couple times a year had like, you know, the emergency crisis fire drill, you know, if a plane hits a data center, you know, we had all the technical response and the operational response and, you know, the PR implications, but very few organizations have this type of a playbook, right? What's that cultural playbook, that environmental playbook of, you know, how do we, when something that is perceived to be very tragic or polarizing, what is our response? What do we do? You know, what do yeah. we say? What do we not say? Um, so it's creating that that playbook. Yeah, I think it's really important for both for um, accelerating the pace of being able to address um, challenges like this like being able to make statements quickly, but also um, I think it's like really important to have a plan on how you check in on your people because it's, there are the, there are like the global mass, you know, mass communications. There are the group level communications that come, you know, at at your ERGs or um, at the department levels. But I think a lot of times what's really meaningful is just um, like, your your peers or your mentors or mm-hmm. some or or your human resources team um, really enabling individual check-ins with people just to say like listen we know this happened this weekend we know you showed up we're just checking in with you like on an individual level to make sure you're okay like to, like just so do you know where the resources are mm-hmm. if you need additional help do you know and like you can have that all formatted. Um, and you can have a script and you can help facilitate those kind of conversations. And I think sometimes we go, even as practitioners, we go into sort of problem solving mode. And it's nice to have a resource that's like helps you <laughs> slow down. It's like, here, here are the five things that we should do right now. Uh, we should check in on our ERGs and the leaders 
the BRGs and see, you know, ask them what they need, ask them how we show up for them, ask how they want to participate and how we think about um, uh, having these conversations. Do we show up for, you know, how do we show up as mentors or managers with our own individual teams? Is it just an email that's like, I don't want you to come in and think that we don't recognize that this is impacting how people are showing up today. If you need, you know, if you need to talk, I'm here. What are those things that we can implement and practice so that we can one, center our humanity and make sure people are feeling whole and not feeling like utility um, when these things happen? And I think the playbook is an excellent place to start. Yeah. And it, 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 um, you know, as we've shared, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to have the answers. We we do need to listen. We do need to be reaching out to make sure that our employees are doing well. They're at a minimum, you know, it needs to be that internal communication, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's one-on-one, a smaller group, a larger group, you know, if it's an email, that that needs to go out and it's it's interesting in the last couple of weeks a, a lot of our our partners as i've you know connected with them their focus has been internal which is the right place to start yeah exactly. right you know that is the right place to start you need to make sure that you know your most valuable asset which is your employee base you know is 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 doing well and and navigating you know this this turbulence or tragedy Sarah, I wanted to add to the playbook when, um, that you and Brandy were uh, sort of expounding on. Um, and, and as we know, there is no standard playbook. Standard it must playbook, be certainly exactly. adapted to the situation as well as to the organization and its culture. Um, and I will say, however, for those of us who are U.S.-based, um, one of the things that we certainly should have as a part of our playbook and resources is uh, quick access to mental health resources. Yeah. I know recently I understood that in the U.S., believe it or not, how acute mental health crises are, one in three Americans are suffering from depression right now, one in three. So if you imagine the great mass of many of the organizations that we either are part of or serve, these mental health resources are certainly need to have uh, have ready access. So I know what we're doing at Next Up is making sure that uh, we're we're compiling them and creating uh, ways by which our employees can access mental health resources as quickly as possible. So I just recommend that be a part of everyone's playbook if it's not. Yeah, and oh, oh, forgive me, Brandy. I I was going to say, look at your insurance plan because yeah. in it, there's inherent, you know, EAP opportunities. Most of the, the programs do have at least like three to five sessions that can be done virtually or by phone. And we've been exploring, there's a, pl- a plethora of other virtual or tele-based um, mental health therapy that can be provided. But Karen, thank you for calling that out. So key because no matter what the situation is, it creates that ripple effect. Right. And, and Brandy, you were going to say, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. I was just going to um, offer a little bit of a hack, which is um, I, I have been thinking around um, a shift, like organizations making a shift from care to concern. And I think the difference between care and concern is that concern is curiosity, care and action. It's those three things. Right. So it is being curious about how this person is being um, impacted. It's not making assumptions. It's asking. Um, it's asking, like, what's going on and how is this impacting you? And it's a little bit of an education for the person who's asking. So that's number one. Then there's the care, which is to say, I may not have the answer. Like, care in that mm-hmm. instance could just be like, I don't even, like, I know we need to do something and I'm working on that. But right now, I just want to make sure that you're okay. And then the action piece. And I think the action piece in terms of people who are looking to be more visible and vocal allies, the action piece can be the thing that is most difficult. And I think if you stay curious, 
and you care, then the action piece mm-hmm. becomes much easier because you've actually inquired about what the person needs. And so once you've inquired, you can then, de- you, it's easier to deliver. So that's just a hack that I've been using lately and I've been finding a lot of, um, let, I, I've been finding that it's working. So I just why I share. Yeah, and Sarah, before we, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm Karen you, and I. <laughs> you, you speak. You'll add greater value than me. Oh, go, go, no, go, I go. can talk to the two of you all day on this topic, but I want, I, I know, that I, and I feel I speak on behalf of you, Sarah, and Brandy, for my relationship with the both of you, that we would be remiss if we don't let all of our, particularly our executive listeners know that no matter what you do, you will have dissenting voices of criticism. Yes. So please, Absolutely. so yes. please don't let that impede your progress to do to the things that Brandy that you've identified and Sarah, the things that you are doing as our CEO at Next Up. Um, there is no perfect answer. And so please don't let that the the um, the, the minority voices of dissent uh, paralyze you and dissuade you from doing those things that would take it that met, would make most people healthy and whole and be and productive in your organization. Absolutely. Yeah. No, thank you, Karen. Such such a key point. And it 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 ends up being, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can't lead or communicate with corporate speak. You know, you end up having to do it with your heart. And and you know, if you if you're looking for that North Star, it ends up being your mission, your mission statement, right? Or the values by which you, you know, you lead your, you know, your company and your brand with, you know, and it, and if it ladders back up to that, you know, you're doing exactly what you need to do. But um, clearly it's like, don't be afraid to bring that heart into what you're saying. Um, because I think people, people will have just the utmost of respect for you, for, you know, if that comes to play. Um, any last parting thoughts? Brandy or Karen, this has just been such an incredible conversation. And the good news is we're going to continue to hold this type of discussion a a couple of other times for our internal community members and volunteers. Um, But we at least just wanted to kick it off today. Um, I, just before we uh, adjourn our time, Sarah, just in case any of our uh, listeners want more information or support, just know that uh, Next Up is continuing to create tools and resources that can help you. So please check us out at uh, nextupisnow.org and uh, reach out and we're here to help you. Awesome. All right, Karen, thank you so much. Brandy, thank you so much. I know you have to thank go you. deal with multiple car <laughs> crashes. So thank you for like sharing this hour with us. I want to thank everybody who listened in today. Um, Voice America, as always, thank you for giving me and Next Up the opportunity to share our voice and mission with all of you and to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like Karen Jones and Brandy Green. To learn more about Next Up and to listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter. Thank you for always listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.